Grab your Bibles and go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. I'm sorry, chapter 1. Wow, whoa, whoa. Chapter 1. I got ahead of myself. Y'all just, y'all thought for a minute we were going to go. We're not there yet. Second Timothy chapter 1. We're continuing our study this week through the book of 2 Timothy. Last week we saw Paul instructing Timothy not to be ashamed of the gospel. Not to be ashamed of him being a servant of Christ. And don't be ashamed of him being in prison for sharing the gospel. And this week Paul tells Timothy to talk about How partners in ministry, he's going to start the text and he's going to start start talking about how partners in ministry can sometimes forsake you when things do go south, when things do go unplanned. When somebody, if 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 they threw me in prison today, are we are we are folks sticking around? And so often, what happens in the modern church world um, is that is that people. People are all in when the ministry is going well, when it's a party, when things are on the high notes, everybody's excited, everybody wants to be a part of those things. But when things get difficult, when tribulations come, when, when trials show at the front door, a lot of the times people jump ship. They, they're like, whoa, 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 that's, that's difficult stuff, I don't like that. I like the happy, clappy, everybody getting along, the room's full, everything's happened as it should. But when things get difficult, that's when things go south. Paul says in verse 15, verse 15, you're aware that all who were in Asia turned away from me, among whom was Philevius and Hermogenes. May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. Now, so we get a, we get a glimpse here in verse 15 and 16. Verse 15 starts with, you're aware that all who were in Asia turned away from me. And, he, then, he, and then he singles a couple guys out. Guys that had promise for leadership. Guys that he said, man, these guys are going to... Paul thought, these guys, this is them. This is who's going to be going all in with me. Then trials and, and problems come and prison comes. And says, the whole group in Asia turned away from me, among who is Philevius and Herman Genus. Golly, who names their kid this? Now, when I say things go bad, I'm not referring to scandals. I'm not talking about immorality. If those things, yeah, you should abandon me. You should, maybe some of you men should probably pop me in the mouth too. Just, you know. But I'm talking about when people are shown in a light by media or are held, um, held in, a per, in, a, in a light that doesn't look favorable because they held to a biblical standard. When they say, thus saith the Lord about certain things and the world paints them in a picture that, oh, he's a misogynist. Oh, he hates children. Oh, he's a bad guy. Which those were words that have been spoken about me in the last six months. And I find it interesting that that's, 
These people have no clue who I am. But yet the world hates the gospel. The world hates the scriptures. And everybody's on board and wants to be a part of ministry when it's a party. But when people jump ship is when the authorities show up and put me in jail because I said, this is God's word and we're going to stand on God's word. That's when a lot of people say, well, wait a minute. If they'll arrest Caleb, they might arrest... What did, what did Peter do? Peter had an intention. What was his intention? I'll go to the... I'll go to the all the way, Lord. And Jesus looks at me because that's, that's cute. You're going to deny me tonight. Before the sunrise, you're going to deny me. Not just once, not but just twice, but three times. Three times. And Oh, not me. And then he did it, and he, it happened, right? Why? Because... He got nervous. I don't want to paint that easy. That, that, that's that's going to be an easy thing to, ha- to do. I'm just saying it's, it's difficult sometimes to, to stay in line with, with a church or with someone who's teaching the Bible when they're in trouble by the world for standing up for what's right, right? Most Christians are what I like to call fair weather Christians. We'll show up and we'll commit as long as things are going in our favor as long as the sun's shining, as long as it's not too hot, and as long as it's not too cold, as long as I've got my pew where I, nobody steals my pew, then I'll show up. But if it's too hot, well, I can't get out of the house. I've got my air conditioner going. It's too cold. I've got my heater going. I can't come because of this. I can't commit because of this. I can't do. We're fair weather Christians. We'll show up and commit as long as things are going our way. So many people go to church to network. And I know that that is fastly, that is quickly moving away, which praise the Lord for that. Um, I'll never forget when I was in high school. I remember a guy telling me, we were at a men's breakfast, and he came to our men's breakfast at Trinity. And he looked at me, he said, Matt, I would love to go to your dad's church, but it's just not big enough. I need to have a church where I can network really good for my business. That's why you're going to church, brother? That's a bad idea. That's a bad idea. You go to church not out of convenience, but conviction. And not because it's easy. Sometimes you might need to sacrifice for the church. Ask Paul about that. Paul, Remember, Paul's writing this from a cush island where he's got plenty of just you know whatever he wants he's got a waiter he's got you know he's being taken care of hand and foot right oh wait no he was writing this from prison he was writing this from a cold dark prison cell everyone is on board as long as the ministry is a party so paul was was having the same kinds of issues he, he had people that were on board for a season and even had a couple guys that he thought, man, these guys are the leaders. These guys are who, who are all in. These two fellows have got funny names. They're, they're in, but then, real, and then the rubber meets the road and things get dicey, things get difficult. And Philevius and Hermogenes... They bounce as well as the rest of the church. The rest of the church leaves as well. We don't know anything else about these two men, but we, it seems that these two men looked promising as leaders, but they jumped ship when the time was needed for them to be there. 
When things got dicey and difficult, they didn't want to stay the course. And sadly, there's so many in the church that are just like this. Who come and support the church and the mission while it's shiny. Oh, that we could change that. Oh, we need to change that. But, there is some good news. Because the next verse, that was verse 15. That's the bad. You always got to hear the bad news first, right? What's that? You, somebody says, I got bad news and I got good news. What do you want to hear first? What is that? What? Give me the bad news first, right? Well, there's good news in verse 16. Onesiphorus. Another guy has got a funny name, but man, this brother's in. Verse 16 through 18. May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus. For he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and he found me. May the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. And you well know that all the service he rendered at Ephesus. Now, just like there's some fair weather Christians, there's some brothers who are willing to go to the fire with you. There are brothers who are willing to bleed out with you. Who are are willing to take a bullet for you. Who are willing to do whatever it takes to help further the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. This was Onesiphorus. This guy is the guy you want in the trenches with you. When you're fighting a war, this is the kind of guy you want in the trenches. He's not just there for the fun and the party, but he's there to get dirty if need be. He's the guy that it it doesn't matter if things are going. You're in chains? Awesome, I'm in. You're you're, you're preaching and and the room's only got four or five people? I'm in. Awesome, let's let's go. I'd rather have a church of 15 Onesiphoruses rather than a church of 200 of Phygelius and Hermogenes. I'd rather have 15 Onesiphoruses. Because a handful, listen, a handful of fully committed Christian men will shake and transform an entire planet. How do I know? Because Jesus took 11. When he ascended off the planet, he's looking down at the 11. We just looked at this, Matthew 28. He says, all authority has been given to me. Now go. Those 11 men said, all right, let's go. And they made and went made disciples. And guess what? You're here. You're here. Right? So Paul ends chapter 1 talking about his brother who served so well and pleads for mercy. He ends it there in chapter 1. In verse 15, and he says, or at the end of this, it says, May the Lord grant him to find mercy on that day. We, we see the text shows us that when Onesiphorus was in Rome, he searched for him. He was, he was, listen, that's something of a task in that day. He didn't have cell phone coverage where he's like, listen, I'm just going to call, give you, hey, I'm just going to give you a text and just show him up at the 7 Eleven. No, he, he had to do some work to try to find where Paul was. And the text says that he, when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and he found me so he's doing some work and on top of that it may be a little dangerous because you've got christian like it wasn't a cool thing to be a christian in rome it was not something that was well looked upon in rome they would put you in prison and so he searched for him earnestly and he found him and that wasn't easy he was 
He was digging high and low trying to find where he was. And if you're a brother in Christ searching for another brother in this day, there was massive implications for that. But he's willing to fight him as long as it took. As long as it took. Are you willing to search long and hard to find a brother who will not just be some sort of a brother that hangs out for the party, but is willing to bleed out if need be? Oh, this this is what we as Christians should long for. As brothers and sisters in Christ, we should long for men and women who are on mission and who are ready to do what is necessary to see the gospel propelled into the atmosphere. This is what we need. We need men and women who are willing and able, ready to jump in just like Onesiphorus. Paul continues this idea in chapter 2. So now we're jumping into chapter 2. That was... You guys are doing really good. We're we're getting through plenty of verses today. Chapter 2, he begins the same idea, not just touching on it, but he goes in a little deeper into this idea of, of finding faithful men who are longing to do the work of sharing the gospel. So let's start going. Let's, let's go together here. He kicks chapter 2 off with the idea. He goes, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So he, here he refers again, he, he refers to, to Timothy all throughout the books, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, as his son, as his child. So this is a dad talking to his son, telling him to be strengthened by grace that is found only in Christ Jesus. So he's telling you as your dad, as your spiritual father, I am telling you find grace in Christ. Find him to be sufficient. Look to him as the author and perfecter of your faith. Don't look to anything else. Look to Jesus. And then we kick off into verse 2. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust the faithful men who will be able to teach others also. The first half of this verse, Timothy, was up close and personal. And he heard all the stories of Paul in conversation. So this listen, Paul and Timothy, they were they were hooked up. Like they were friends. They were together. Scripture talks about in, in the first half of First Timothy how he just longed to see him. He wants to be next to him. He want, he, he grieved when he wasn't with Timothy. He was Paul was sad and Timothy was sad as well. And so we have this this proof here. You heard from me in the presence of many witnesses. So Timothy is listening to Paul preach and teach in the presence of the church. Many witnesses. So he's, you've heard from me in the presence of many faithful witnesses. Entrust the faithful men. Entrust, this, entrust what? The gospel. Entrust the gospel of faithful men who will be able to teach others as well. That, like that's, that's what we do this for. The reason we have these times where we're studying God's Word, I'm encouraging you to go out and be able to teach someone else what the Bible says. That, that's what I'm doing. This is what it says. So he knew who Paul was and what Paul was doing. And then Paul, Paul says this, that you, you've heard this now, pass it on. Pass it on to other faithful brothers who will continue to pass it on to other faithful brothers who will continue to pass it on, who will continue to pass it on. Keep going. Keep 
preaching. Don't give up. This is the calling for us. Don't give up. Don't give up. The message that you heard from the text, this this book that you hold in your hand, says it over and over again. Don't give up. Don't get weary. Don't lose heart. Stay the course. Don't give up, ladies and gentlemen. Pass it on to other faithful men who will do the same exact thing. And then he goes further into verse 3. And he says, Share in suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. There's another one where we lose it sometimes. You mean I got to suffer? I don't want to suffer, Caleb. I want to have my life easy. I do too. But that isn't always the case. In a fallen world, you're going to suffer. So he says, share in suffering as a good soldier. A good soldier is going to fight to the end. Like they're going to they're gonna have to... Think about all the war movies that we've watched. I've watched Band of Brothers, Saving Private Ryan, all these different things. And the training was difficult. Those that have been in the military, was it easy? Fellas? Was it easy? No, it just it was a... Oh, man, I was on a beach the whole time, sipping a Mai Tai. It was good, right? No. I was not doing that. I was... I was... In the trenches, I was crawling through mud. I was working. I was, I was sweating it out. I was bleeding. Was, suffer as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. He's going to stay the course. He's going to stay focused on the mission. Why? Because the reward is going to be unimaginable. Furthermore, in verse 4, he goes into this deeper idea of what a soldier should do. Verse 4. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits. Since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. So so we see what a soldier is to do. The language is such that he should do nothing else other than do what Christ has called him to do. Don't don't get entangled. Just as a soldier today is called to duty to completely sever himself from normal affairs and normal life of a civilian, just a normal average Joe. He is called by, like if you're going into the military, you are called by your government to cut off every ounce of what's normal in your life. So, So is it for the Christian. You are to cut off what is not needed in your life as a Christ follower. I like how the NSAB says this. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. So we see here that a soldier is, that is in active battle and active duty does not get entangled with everyday life because he knows that he has one goal, to please his commanding officer. That, that's what... You do in the military. When the colonel says, drop down and give me 50, you don't go, well, you know, I'd like to do that, but I'm thinking, I'm thinking maybe 10. What's the colonel going to do? He's going to bust some chops, right? You don't look at the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I know you told me to do this, but I'd like to do this. You want to please the Lord Jesus Christ, you, you gotta be in, you got to cut off the world. This is the idea. Paul's telling, find faithful men who are willing to get in and cut the world off and go all in. Follow the course 
of not the world, but follow the course of the Lord Jesus Christ. To please him. And he, he keeps going. And he, Paul's a great illustration guy. He must have been Baptist. So, nobody got... Let's keep going. Verse 5. An athlete is not crowned unless he completes or competes according to the rules. Now, I know. We live in participation trophy culture. Everybody gets an award. I don't want anybody to feel left out. That's not how Jesus' game works. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Now, I know we live in a world where everybody gets a trophy, but in God's system, in God's economy, the only ones who follow the rules are crowned. And the rules are written and composed by God himself, and we must submit to his rule in order to get the prize. Where can I find that? Glad you asked. It's right here. It's all... 66 books right here. Open the text. You want to find God's rules? He'll give them to you. They're right here. And there's some of you in the room that are going to be able to really hone in on verse 6. And it's the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crop. Uh, For those that are farmers in the room, is there anything, is there a participation crop trophy? Does that work for the farmers in the room? No? Okay, I'm just... I mean, this is pretty straightforward, right? Lazy farmers should not have the same kind of crops as hard-working farmers. And listen, I've never really honestly met a lazy farmer. Maybe some of y'all have, but everywhere in the farmers I know, those brothers work. Like, they, they get in and they're willing to do whatever it takes to accomplish the mission. They know that that if you don't work and you don't get in there and you don't get in the trenches and you don't get things done, the crops won't grow themselves. You don't get paid and you don't get to eat. That's the same idea in in, in this text that we're reading. It looks the same. Men who yield or wield the word of God, they can't be lazy. They can't be lazy with the text or they're going to get the... Listen, if you're lazy with the text, we're going to get the kind of crazy churches we got in 2023. When you have pastors who are lazy with the text and refuse to do the work of digging into the text, you'll get pastors who say things like this. When bad things happen in your life, what you need to do is just come down here and get baptized in my baptismal pool. What? That is an actual quote that I heard this week. From someone you all know. That's crazy. That's wicked heresy. When bad things happen, just come down to my church and get baptized. What kind of false gospel are you teaching, brother? When you don't study and wield the word, or the sword as it's called, you get goofy theology that ends up destroying people, not helping them. And man, we need pastors who are helping their congregations and pleading and praying and longing for them to know Jesus better. Verse 7. Think over what I said. For the Lord will give you understanding in everything. So in other words, 
Think about what's happening. Think about what I've said in this text. Think about the words that we've been reading. Make sure you understand them. Do the due diligence of getting in and don't just trust. Listen, don't just trust me because I'm the pastor. Go do your own homework. Go do your own digging. Do the work of understanding the text. And this can't happen if you're only coming here for an hour on Sunday. I've said this a billion times here. If this is all of Jesus you get during the week, you ain't getting very much. You've got you to stay the course. You've got to get on here and you've got to study. This is why I challenged our guys on Wednesday night. I said, listen, get a, find, and I sent links to guys. I said, listen, here's how you can get a good, you want to get a, get a good study Bible that's got the notes down here that I trust. I have the John MacArthur study Bible. That's the one I like. That's the one I trust. I trust Johnny Mac. He's done the due diligence to do what's necessary. So I have the study Bible and I'm studying this. And I told the guys, I didn't give them, but it was not a big amount of homework, but I gave them a little bit of homework. Because men, listen, men come alive when they put, you put a little pressure on a guy, they, they, they come to play. Right? I challenge the guys to take Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21, dissect it on their own. Do the original word study. Read it. Find a good study Bible that has good cliff notes and figure out what's going on in the text. And then apply it in your family's life. Apply it in your prayer life for your family. Do, do, the, do the work that's necessary to show your family that you care enough to study God's word for them. That's what I challenge the guys, the guys to do. Figure out how to get it on your own. Like, what's that old adage? If you give a guy a fish, he'll have a meal for a day. But if you teach a man how to fish, he'll be able to fish and have, he'll have food all, anytime he needs it, right? If I just hand you the, the word every week and say, this is what it is, this is what it is, eventually you're just going to consume, you're going to come and consume. But if I'm like, hey, take your Bibles home and do some homework and study some texts and read it and do, find some commentaries, find some study notes. Do some bigger things. And listen, all throughout the text, Paul is telling Timothy, community is where it's at. Find, what did he say? Find faithful brothers who you can entrust this message to that will also teach others. That means that one of the best ways that this is played out in biblical context is biblical community. Where we gather often together around each other's tables some of the best things that happen are around dinner tables. That's the reason James Dobson said, you want to win with your family? Eat dinner every night with your kids. That's James Dobson. He's smarter than me. So I just did it. Every, not every night, but most nights we had dinner around the table. And you learn some of the craziest things around the dinner table. Kids will tell you things if you let them. And sometimes, maybe it's not things you really want to hear, but sometimes, I mean, sometimes it's things you don't want to hear. And I, there was times I had to tell Jamie, pick your jaw off the floor. Stop. Just listen. They'll tell you. And that happens inside of Christendom as well, where we get brothers and sisters around the table and we start talking about things of the scriptures. We start talking about life together. We start talking about our families. We start talking about our struggles. You know, Caleb, I don't want to hear about people's struggles. I got my own. Well, guess what? 
If you get together and you talk together about it, guess what? All of the, the woes in the world in which we live, they're far less acidic if you've got a brother or sister alongside you to share in those things. When we gather together and do things like I've mentioned here, where we pray and we sing hymns together and we eat good food and we open the word together and we gather together, when we do these things, we fight battles. We run races. We get in and we plow fields. You notice what I did there? I used all the analogies Paul used. Same idea. Get around the table with your brothers and sisters and fight the fights that are necessary to fight. Pray the way you need to pray. Struggle the way you need to struggle. Do what, nece- what, what is necessary. And more often times than not, you're going to see spiritual wins in not only your own life, but those that are in your blast zone. Kenny Luck said that every man has a blast radius. And you either have a blast radius of the Holy Spirit that's going to encourage and empower people, or you're going to have a world view that is focused on yourself and sin, and that's a blast zone that's going to absolutely destroy those that are around you. So in this season, as we remember the gift of Christ, as we look at the trees, as we look at the lights, as we see, hear the music, and we think on these things as we enter into the season, we need to be willing to come together and to celebrate things like this often together. And I know that we, we're Americans, and most Americans are fiercely independent. But God created us for community. God created us to get around tables together and to talk things out and to work things out. And those men and women that I know personally who do this well, who do it well, not perfectly, but well. Anxiety, depression, sadness, loneliness, all those things are almost non-existent in their life. Because they know that they've got someone who will go to bat for them and they'll go to bat for somebody else. And they're coming alongside one another and we're focused on the mission. You don't have time to navel gaze. Oh, Caleb, you don't know my life. Okay, I get it. You're sad. I've been sad too. But when I get around other people that are sad and we talk about these things together and we start looking at And we don't just sit around and be like, woe is me. We We don't have an Eeyore club. Yeah, we're not, well, it might rain today. Okay, cool. What's God's word say about that? The, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Let's, let's open God's word about this. Let's talk about, let's open the Bible and say, what do you want, a Holy Rollers Club? Sure. Sure. What are you guys going to do? Focus so much on Jesus all the time? God, that sounds awesome. Actually, it does. It sounds fantastic. Because guess what? There's going to come a day and a time when all, that's, all the stuff that you're worried about right now is gone. And Christ is going to be the one that you're focused on. Why not get started ahead of time? This is the reason we should remember the gift of Christ. We talk about the gift of Jesus. We sing the first Noel. We sing all these songs. We think about these things when we're singing them, when we're in the room. But what about on Thursday night at 6.30 in the evening when we get together around a table and we're... Hey, can you hand me a butter and, and the roll? Can you? Right? How's, how's your life? How are things going? You know, what we used to do is around our table when the kids were little. In fact, Noah, Noah did the other night. He's like, Dad, let's do, let's do some high-low. Where's my high schoolers in here? High-low. The high point of your day, the low point of your day. 
Okay, let's talk about those things. How'd they make you feel? What, what's going on there? What was the high point? What was the low point? How was Jesus glorified? Okay, so we go there. We come together and we celebrate these things as often as we can. I know we don't do it perfectly and we don't do it every... You're thinking, I need to get together every night with somebody from the church and eat dinner? No, but if you can, awesome. But if you can't, I get it. But try to like, be intentional in your time together. Be intentional. Say, man, I'm going to make efforts to get there. I'm going to make efforts to do what's necessary to be around these things. That's the reason Paul says, find faithful men. You entrust these to faithful men who are able to teach others also. Share in the sufferings. That was the next verse, verse 4. Share in sufferings as a good soldier. That means we come alongside where somebody says, you know what, this week has just been a rough week, Caleb. Tyler, it's just been, let me tell you, right? Well, let me tell you. We get, and we talk about these things as we're eating and, and celebrating those things. And we... And we, we we mourn the losses and we celebrate the wins together. And guess what? You walk out feeling a whole lot better than when you came in. And sometimes, I know that it's, it can be a pain sometimes. But when you dedicate yourself, every time Jamie and I have dedicated ourselves, it's okay, we're going to set aside time. We're going to go have dinner with some, with some brothers and sisters. And we're going to sit around the table and we're going to talk about things of Jesus together. I'm telling you, I may have walked in feeling one way, but when I walk out, I jump in the car. Man, I just, that was so good, baby. Wasn't that good? She's like, I know. I just feel so encouraged. You didn't have, what if, oh, I'm just going to stay home and scroll my phone and watch Netflix. That's going to be encouraging. Neck hurts. Read all the bad news. By the time it's all said and done, you just feel depressed and just, oh, humanity is horrible. <laughs> Right? Get around a table and fight good fights that are necessary for the cause of the gospel. Feast. Have some good laughs. Sing some songs, maybe. So you sing songs at your house? Sometimes. What's wrong with that? Mm. Don't shut yourself up in your house and look at screens. And long for a sense of community, but rather do the hard work of actually being in community. And guess what? The cure for loneliness, sadness, and depression is biblical community. Let's pray.